right? Like you say Letway, right? And we say Lethway. Oh, no, no, I actually I say Lethway. That's what I do too now. If you listen to oh, Robin okay. Black, he's like, uh, this is Letway. And he's saying it like yeah. that. <laughs> I train with Dave LaDuke, actually. Um, and the interesting thing is like, when I trained with him, he actually said Lethway. And then something happened where he went with Robin Black, and then he's now saying Letway too. And I'm like, damn, am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, what's up? I'm Matt from War Republic, and this is the Warrior Within podcast, where we talk to up-and-coming fighters, famous fighters, and pretty much professionals you want to know about. And today we have... Nicola Bark, the Burmese Python, and she is the warrior within. How are you doing? I'm brilliant. Really good, thanks. Loving the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So, like I guess I just said before, um, just briefly with you, like, uh, we just wanted to talk about martial arts. Uh, you started doing Taekwondo, is that correct? Uh, what was your first experience at martial arts? Yeah, it actually was Taekwondo. You'll never believe it. So I got into martial arts because I was really bad at ballet. I did ballet for about 16 years, could not dance for the life <laughs> of me. And took about 16 years before I had the confidence to say mum and dad, like, look, I, like, this isn't for me. Like, I want to try something else. Uh, and that's when I was like, okay, Taekwondo, you know, it sounds pretty, pretty opposite. Contact, a bit more violent, um, not as graceful. I think like, maybe I'll be good at that. And then absolutely loved it. And that's where the martial arts journey initially started for me. In, uh, yeah, traditional Taekwondo. And how old were you when you started? I was 16, 17. Oh, okay. And then you did ballet. So you literally, like, out of the womb did ballet. Like, you were just dancing and dancing. That's crazy. Pretty much. <laughs> like, the minute I could walk, I was like, in a tutu, get on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I bet, because uh, I saw, even you had a, a, a pictures of, of you doing it. I wonder, how graceful does that make, you know, movements in your uh, professional fighting? I'd like to say it's been a massive help, but I think because I wasn't very talented at ballet, like you can't see the transferable skill because I don't think I started off with much um, and then ended up just getting it most from actually fighting. And you know what? I remember the first time I went into the martial arts dojo and the first time we did sparring and the first time a punch was thrown to me, I remember like shutting my eyes and like shying away and thinking like, oh my <laughs> God, like how do people do that? And then literally like a week later, you sort of just get used to it. And it almost just feels like, you know, part of everyday life. Just get punched <laughs> in the face. <laughs> I know. It's amazing what you get used to, right? Yeah, no, absolutely incredible. But it's also more than that. It's also like, you know, I always say the most, and it's interesting. I'm, I've interviewed quite a bit of even uh, fighters and stuff. It's amazing how peaceful most of you are. And I think it's because of the act of aggression, you get all that out, you know. Yeah. No, and I think that's really true, though. It's like one extreme or the other, like almost all or nothing. So it's either like everything's guns and blazing and going, or it's just like peace and quiet, and I just <laughs> don't want that much drama. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I even see when I was watching, there's not too much of your Taekwondo stuff that I saw, but, like, even I saw a little sparring match. Like, uh, you know, you're, you're like, I can tell you're more of a fighter even when you were in Taekwondo. Like, you're just, you're, you're staying in a pocket. You're hitting, you're not just hitting a sidekick, running away. Like, you're in the pocket. Just keep going. Yeah, I absolutely loved it, to be honest. Um, and I always used to say, when I, did, when I did really bad in, like, the patterns, which is, like, the traditional kata, those set movements, 
I never used to get gold in that. I always used to be like, well, that's just my warm up for the fight. <laughs> and then when I fight, then it'll be serious and then it'll be absolutely fine. Um, and just, yeah, completely ended up really just loving it. And it's amazing because I see the uh, Muay Thai Grand Prix, Prix uh, thing you were doing. And it basically, your Taekwondo shows there, you're, you're sidekicking people, you know, and they're having a hard time with it. So, you know, I guess tell me how much has helped that kind in your background in martial arts. So the, the sidekick in, in particular has been very helpful um, in kickboxing, Thai boxing, and even in the left way fight, to be honest, I feel like not that many fighters use a sidekick i feel like it's a really underrated tool in fighting and if you can nail it you can either use it as almost like a boxer's jab literally to keep to keep them at base keep them at distance because they're always like your leg distance away um or actually use it more aggressively and come in and you know almost like a stoppage to the body um and then you know you said with dave when he does the fake fake low kick and then side kick to the face and just completely catches them off guard, which is also pretty brilliant. Right, right. Uh, I think it's really versatile, but yeah, massively underused. You even see with MMA, like, you know, you never saw side kicks and now you're seeing people do side kicks and stuff, so. Yeah, absolutely. Not quite in the traditional way of the Taekwondo. I don't know if you've watched much Taekwondo where they sort of hold the leg out and then just like pop out that side kick like continuously. Right. Literally like a jab, like ba 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 ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like Van Damme style, you know, like, whap, whap, whap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Also, like, you know, a lot of people, because you're a, definitely a world-class striker, a lot of people don't realize, like, when you, I like that you said jab with your leg, a lot of people don't realize you can do that with a front kick or a side kick, and you can measure your range with your feet. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you're a kicker, I feel, because I come from a kicking background, I feel like I gauge a kicking distance better than a punching distance, especially when I first started. Um, because I was, you know, I was either like too close or then like too far away, but you throw out a kick and I'm like, okay, I know how like long you are now in terms of limbs. <laughs> so absolutely that. And, um, I feel like often it's sort of coming into commentary now. People say like, oh, they, she uses her feet like it's a jab, you know? And I was like, yeah, completely intended. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, even if they're pursuing you and you're jabbing with your feet, you know, there's only one more step or two and then you have them right with your hands. So it's, a, it's an awesome because I do the same thing. It's an awesome setup too to like know when they're coming in and if they get past it or they stop at that point, you, you just nail them with your hands, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And also one of my favorites is like going to the head with a turning kick and then just holding it. And but before it comes, you know, because you, you catch them in the head and then they want to come forward and then you can stop them with the side kick. Nice. To sort of regain that distance. Like, I absolutely love that technique. <laughs> and, you know, talk about pushing with space with that, too. Like, it's it's such help to, because you're also create like you just said, you're also using it now, you're creating distance so you can get away or maneuver. Yeah. So it's super, super underrated. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, definitely. So you are a tough-ass girl, like, to do Lethway. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about that. And you... You know, you're the Burmese Python. It's Myanmar. Like, why did you discover Lethway? Was it seeing uh, Dave LaDuke or was it just your own want to go to the country that you are related to? Yeah, so my mum was actually born in Myanmar as a kid. And I remember growing up, I was like, I'm going to take you home one day. I'm going to take you home one day. Like, I had no idea how. Um, and then when I was given the name, the Burmese Python, and started doing some more research about the country, I sort of get really interested in the heritage and found out, like, oh, wow, there's this really cool sport there um, that's super ancient. And, you know, 
they do fights. It's like a fighting, a traditional martial arts fighting style. Um, started watching and just thought it was absolutely incredible. I mean, you see the people there, and I think when you're always on the side of the screen, you're like, I could definitely do that. <laughs> and you're like, that's, that's going to be no problem. Like, the nerves will be normal. And then you get there and you sign up and, you know, it then sort of just hits you as you're about to walk out. Like, what? Have I just actually signed up for, like, a bare-knuckle boxing fight? Right. With headbutts? <laughs> like, I haven't even had a street fight. What am I doing? <laughs> it... I even said to all my friends and family at the time, I was like, did none of you tell me this was, like, a bad idea? <laughs> and they were like, you are not listening to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so probably... Dude, that's amazing. Because it's probably one of the most craziest things. We're in the States here. It's funny how, like... We think we're extreme, but you know, they're bare. We have bare knuckle, but it's just no boxing gloves, and that's yeah. the most extreme thing you're doing in martial arts. That for people who don't know, it's a, like over two thousand years old. Uh, Myanmar had like with Thailand has Thai boxing. It adds headbutts and other things that basically have been lost through translation. The and limbs. what's that? The eight limbs. Yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. It's nine limbs actually, because you're using the head. Oh, yes. Yeah, Muay Thai is the eight limbs. Yes, Muay Thai is eight limbs. All right, yeah, you know, you know. But yeah, like I said, like <laughs> a question I wanted to ask you is because I was watching some of your other fights and it's not that you're not smooth or whatever, but it's funny when you said the nerves coming out because I was like, whoa, it must feel like a different fight when your hands are wrapped and you're doing that because like it almost looked like you were not fighting for the first time, but it looked like a different type of fight when you could like, I could see it because I'm you're not like a layman, I guess, but like, did you feel like, that pressure going in like wow i'm in a street fight not necessarily wow i'm in a street fight but it was more so like okay women are naturally dramatic i'm very dramatic but <laughs> 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 you can't laugh the, the final thought was like i could die <laughs> was actually what went through my head <laughs> 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 oh dear that was that was the actual thought was going through my head um and then after that, you know what? When I have gloves on, and I don't know if you find the same too, but I find when I fight with gloves on, you know, even though what, you know, you know that you're getting punched, you know that you're getting kicked, because of all the adrenaline, I just don't feel it all. And then the first jab that was landed without the gloves, I absolutely felt felt, felt it. And I was like, oh, no, we're like, we're not standing still. We're going to have to start moving. Um, so that was a big difference. So I immediately felt like far more like, consciously there whereas i think sometimes i zone out i'm sort of you know more in the state of flow and it's just like all very automatic and like you're responding just because you've trained so hard um and not that i didn't train hard but it just felt like i was so more present and there in the moment just everything was heightened interesting wow that is interesting because it, it is crazy looking and it's like just something a lot of people like like even when you see with the headbutts and just said as a sport, like it's 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 effing wild. It's fucking wild. So for you to do that, and and you're just a woman from like you know UK. I don't know any women even that are fighters. There's men that are scared of doing that. So I know, but you know what? I felt afterwards like I'm never going to be nervous for another gloved fight. <laughs> this <laughs> right. is me being like majorly optimistic, but we'll see uh, when my next fight is if that proves to be true. Well, I think it's massively like character it's building. Really it's even, well, you know, you didn't, did you have any like uh, real injuries afterwards? Like you, you didn't look like your face was too messed up or anything like that. Did you? No, you know what? So I dislocated my shoulder in the first like minute of the fight. Whoa. Um, 
Yeah, I know. And you know what the funny thing is? I was trying to keep it really discreet. Like, as you do, you don't want your opponent to know. So I kept trying to pick it up with the other hand and, like, hook it in my hair. Or, like, try and make it hold my ear. Okay. <laughs> it kept, like, dropping down. <laughs> oh, wow. I remember going back to my corner afterwards and I remember being like, oh, my, my arm's out. Like, what are we going to do? And I was panicking so much. And he was like, look, it's left way. It's nine limbs. Like, you've just got one less. It's cool. And I was like, that's so true. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's so true. And that's all I needed. And then I was like, back in it, ready. And I was, you know, I was like, that's it. I've got my legs, I've got everything else. Um, I don't know. The adrenaline. I think I, I felt like I still tried to use it during the fight, even though it was out. And it was only afterwards when, when the doctor put, popped it back in. I remember I was, I was I was very dramatic. I just literally walked into like the doctor's room afterwards. So I was like, my arms out. I'm just gonna lay on the bed when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, literally like that. <laughs> Why not though? You just went to war, you know. Like pamper me a little bit. My stuff's un unhinged, literally. <laughs> yeah. And are you familiar with the left way dance? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you have the look on, right? You have that. And then yeah. there's the whole, like the Thai, Thai people have the whole like music and dance too. Um, can you tell me like, yeah, go ahead. Tell me more about that. And I guess for people who are watching that don't understand it, you can tell me a little bit. So from what I understand of the dance, um, you only get to perform it if and when you win. So you both get to learn it. And so this is my first time fighting uh, left way for WLC. And it was the day before. And they said, put your hand up if you think you're going to win. So, like, everyone put your hand up. And then it was like, okay, so if you win, you get the opportunity to do this dance. Do you want to do it? So I, I feel like there's that always that internal thing when your opponent puts your hand up. You're like, no, like, I'm going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and then you end up, all, like, both having to learn the dance, like, the night before your fight, never having learned the whole thing. Oh, wow. And I was thinking it was going to be, like, quite short and succinct. But as you know, the Thai one is sort of very... I mean, it's very graceful, but it's actually quite long as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's very there's a lot of set movements. Um, so I remember recording it on my phone the night before going to bed and being like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> don't know if I feel like in the right mood to start practicing a celebration dance. <laughs> I'm like just about to go to bed before this biggest fight. <laughs> um, it got to the end of the fight. I'd won. And then I hear this music come on. And I remember thinking like, oh, no, I didn't study this one <laughs> And just have to pick up the flag and try and freestyle as much as it is. <laughs> I had like two afterwards and everyone was like, that wasn't the dance. Um, but I mean, it was like best, best intentions. I did try, but I don't think it was quite the replica. Oh man, that's interesting. I didn't necessarily think about that, you know, um, when I saw it. But yeah, that that that's pretty wild. I'm sure, I'm sure like most people didn't really care. You're, you're swinging the flag. You kind of represented them anyway. And I'm sure a lot of people respected that. Yeah, I hope so. That was definitely the, the vibe I was going for. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, you know, I wonder if the other person you fought to did the same thing and they're like, I'm not learning now. Yeah. And maybe that messed with their psyche. Like, wait, if I don't learn the dance, then that means I don't want to win. Wait, did she learn it? Probably in the corner giving me like tips or something. And you're like, no, that's, <laughs> no, it's left. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, I guess another question is like, you know, was that was the first time you were in... Myanmar? How is that country? Yeah, it was. Oh, you know what? The people, they are just absolutely lovely. You know, uh, such kind hearts. So supportive as well. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect to have such a brilliant fan base and support. 
Um, even like walking on the streets. I'd be walking on the streets and they'd pull up in the car. I don't know. I live in Luton in the UK, which is a little bit rough. So it's when someone pulls over in a car, like you don't think they're going to come up to you and be nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then they pull over the car and they shout your name and come running to, you, to, to me. And they're like, can we have the photo? I was like, yes, <laughs> that I can do. You know? oh, so it, there was just so much love there. It was just awesome. Really awesome. And the food was brilliant. It was so good. Oh, that's so cool. What kind of food uh, did you have? Like, I don't know, any Myanmar food. Also, <laughs> so the first dish I wanted, because my mum cooks it at home all the time, and I was just double-checking that she was co- cooking the traditional way, uh, was a dish called mahinga. So it's more like a noodle curry type thing. Uh, but yeah, she's been doing a good job, so she got lots of praise. <laughs> that's awesome. Is that something you can eat for breakfast, right? No, so I actually had it for lunch. Oh, well, I mean, yes, there's nothing stopping you from having it for breakfast. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, uh, that's just pretty cool. And also something I looked at the culture when I looked at myself, don't they do the sunscreen thing? It's like this natural, is it from a tree? Yes. What is right. that? It, yeah, so it's a form of sun protection, but it's also a makeup which they wear. But they, I mean, they're really quite like creative and decorative with it. I even put some on my own face, but I was a bit boring. I did like two big yellow circles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's meant to be like good for the skin. It's from like the natural wood from the trees. Um, and yeah, it helps protect them from the sun too. So it's like a three in one. That's wild. Did you feel like it helped your skin afterwards? Or you couldn't really notice a difference. I'm not sure. I didn't really bathe in the sun, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> it's probably hot, right? Very hot there. Oh, it was incredibly hot. Yeah, like really, really hot. But I mean, that was good because I, I still had like a little bit of weight to cut. So, you know, there was no need to have a sauna. It was just sort of stand outside <laughs> for about half an hour and you're okay. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And you went to Thailand too? Can you compare them or you never went to Thailand? Um, I have been to Thailand. I do prefer uh, Myanmar. I just feel like it's less touched. Um, you know, I just feel like there's there's more natural beauty. Plus, I'm super biased because my family are from there. So <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> it definitely takes number one spot. Did you see any of the temples? They have some crazy ones. There's like ones all like, I think, gold or something. Like there's some pretty crazy. Yeah, we did. So actually, so part of when we were doing the production for WLC on Left Way, um, what they do, they take you round. So you can do sort of all the photography and video shoots outside. Um, so it's like with the temple sort of running around, um, running around with the flag in the traditional attire as well and sort of learning how to tie it all up and wear all the all their clothes. Uh, it was really sweet, you know. I, di- I think they didn't expect me to be so tall because when I turned up and they had all these outfits for me, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm very tall. Like, I don't know if that's going to fit. Um, but no, like the sentiment was really appreciated and yeah, it was lovely. It was just stunning. Yeah, what is that one thing um, that they wear? Even the men wear it. It's like a skirt, but it's not a skirt, right? You yeah, would... I forgot on the exact term, but you can, it, depending if you're male or female, you tie it slightly differently. Um, but yeah, it's the same sort of material, but just you wear it differently depending if you're male or fe- female. Most I... likely for modesty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a few dudes that did it wrong and like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's this way you're talking about. <laughs> but that's 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 like uh, 
interesting to me when I first heard that because initially when I heard that I was like Scottish people they wear skirts like it's not that weird right yeah oh so that one's really long it's literally from your hips to your ankles um not quite like the Scottish one because that is that is very much like a skirt that's like knee length yeah (laughs) I see yeah yeah hmm that is different and I guess it's it's like they're made of silk and they're like smoother I'm guessing like Scottish ones made a specific material yeah, the Scottish ones are pleated and very cross-checked, hashed. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the ones in Myanmar are much more sort of authentic, I'd say. Um, not pleated. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, initially that was my first thing. I'm like, well, that's not too weird because the fight and that, they fought and that. So it's, there's a similarity. Because a lot of people think like there's a very different West Coast and East Coast. And um, if you look a little bit, there are similarities for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. What do you, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is like, I saw like, uh, you were doing K1, the, the Muay Thai Grand Prix, and you, you were, did some rules where they didn't let you clinch as much. So, like, you're more of a Thai fighter than a kickboxer because they were telling you, like, hey, no, no clinching for this. And then it's weird because it's Muay Thai in the name. So it's like, are there certain fights you get to pick the rules to clinch and other ones you don't? Or... Yeah, so it's really strange. Depending on what show you fight on, they have a completely different set of rules. Um, so I even fought in China was my first professional fight, uh, which was quite a funny one because I had it was my first professional fight, so I didn't really have much of a record, um, and they wanted someone to fight there, like Chinese national champion. Uh, and the only way I could get the fight, which is not usually in my nature, was to say that like, don't pay me if I don't win. Um, huh. And that just like created a lot of drama <laughs> in in in, in uh, China so then that was immediately put on the card and I was like great I get an opportunity to fight um and their rules were very mixed as well so you were only allowed to clinch once but then you were also able to like grab the leap grab their legs and sort of sweep them and throw them to the floor huh. which was sort of like a strange mix and then as you say with the Muay Thai Grand Prix one yeah Muay Thai in the name but then that rule set on the day was K1 based, so you weren't allowed to clinch. Um, but that got very murky, you know, because all of the corners and the ref were all Thai based. So it was very hard to distinguish. And uh, yeah, there was lots of like <laughs> ch- changes there, I suppose. Yeah, that's uh, strange because like going against your own instinct, you know, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. And I'm more of, and it's funny because I, even though I, learned a little bit of Muay Thai I'm more of a straight kickboxer uh that I was trained with it's like yeah I don't understand why you wouldn't have guys who understand those rule set betters enforce that rule set it's strange yeah no absolutely I think it makes more sense to have it that way because then everyone knows exactly what they're scoring because there, there is a fair bit of difference and I think it's important that you know if you are going to do k1 kickboxing just for, so it's fair for everyone that actually you've got all of the right parties there um as opposed to, yeah, it's like having a, I don't know, <laughs> a boxer score a, a tie boxing fight. You know, you just, you're not as trained in the eye, you know? Right. And then you're not going to think leg kicks or anything, you know? They're fine. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what happened in MMA. That's funny. That's a fact in MMA, though, years ago. People wouldn't understand the judges because they are all boxing judges from, especially in the States here, with like Las Vegas and New York and New Jersey. They think, oh, well, no, I'm just scoring the punches and, like, the big head kicks. So in here, like, it took 
almost until 2020, 2018, that they started actually looking wow. and going, oh, wow, we should actually count these more. These matter. Yeah, I think it's so important because, yeah, there's so much confusion sometimes uh, with the rule set. And then, you know, also like the audience as well sometimes don't know. <laughs> but yeah, to be super clear with them is definitely a good thing. Uh, the other thing I was going to ask was, uh, you know, it was the the Chinese uh, abroad fight. When you had that fight, did you feel like there was anything uh, like I heard they're really good at like weight cutting and stuff like that. And were there any issues or things that you had to do that were different than when you do it on the West Coast? Like, were there times that you had to weigh in differently? Were there different protocols? Uh, the, the, the weight cut in China was probably one of the hardest ones that I've ever had to do because the flying it just made me hold more water and then when I got there it was just incredibly hard and you know usually as fighters to sweat if you're not like running outdoors which I don't really prefer I prefer to sort of sit in a hot bath but like the the water just wasn't hot enough (laughs) so like you had no choice but to try and run outside but when it was pouring down with rain you didn't know if you were like you know, you didn't know if it was sweat or you didn't know if it was rain that was that was falling on you. So that was like incredibly hard. Wow. Um, and especially when you think you, you're you just... So that was my first professional fight experience. And I think my initial thought was like, I was just going to turn up and I'd have all this time to like chill and just wake up. But you turn up and they have this like big agenda, like photo shoot, video shoots. We're taking you out here. <laughs> like, please can you look a bit more enthusiastic punching that bag? And you're like, I haven't eaten for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's so crazy. Wow. So that was pretty insane. Um, but apart from that, it, you know, I thought it was really good that we they got us to the venue at a really good time. So we weren't hanging around for like 10 hours on end. And it was literally turned up maybe an hour before. And it was like, bam, went and fought. But it, yeah, it was insane with all the rehearsals that you had to do the day before and sort of practice your walkout was, you know, that was stuff that was all completely new to me. Um, that was exciting. I didn't know you practiced walkouts. No, I, like I didn't know it was a thing either. And I was like, what, rehearsal? Like, do we rehearse the fight too? <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, sorry, asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's brilliant. So they have, they literally do the whole production. They play all the, all the music. So, you know, you, you choose your walkout music. They have the dancers as you're walking out. Like if there's like sparklers or special effects that are happening, they all go... You know, they tell you, like, which camera you have to walk in, how long you have to do your little, like, punch combo for, uh, where you have to stand. Uh, you know, wow. it's just so you're completely familiar with all of that. When you're an audience member, you're not, like, thinking of that, like, oh, they only have one, two, three, oh, they have three seconds. So you're just watching it. That's so wild. Yeah, literally, they're like, you can punch six times or something, or you have, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that uh, for myself. Uh, I mean, was that the first time you actually went to a different time zone to go and fight? I can't even imagine how your body feels doing that. Um, no, so I've been fortunate and I've like traveled a fair bit with with fighting anyway. But typically when I fight abroad, I try and adjust my sleeping time zones. So I'll like, be going to bed really early and then waking up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, like when I went to Myanmar. <laughs> Uh, I was getting up at like 3am in the morning, trying to wake myself up, changed all my eating times. Um, I even wore, so apparently, I don't know if this is true, but um, you know, the blue light 
So my body would like switch off sooner in the evening. You get these like orange glasses, which block out any blue light. So you think it's the evening. Oh, no. When you're wearing the glasses. Oh, my God. I tell you, you feel like you're in Spain or like Bahamas or, you know, somewhere really nice. Um, and then you see a picture of yourself and they're like normal glasses that are just neon yet like neon orange so you look like a bit of a beetle <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it's like all those little things where whether it's psychological or if it actually helps that you know they all help get you as best prepared as you can and when you get to such elite level it's like once you've smashed out like nutrition training mentality it's all those those little like one percent differences that add up so you do like say three and then oh it's a three percent increase or you know 10 small changes, you've got a 10% increase. And that, that's what really counts when you get to the really elite level. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. And of course, sleep is always important. You know, you're probably also doing that at lower levels too. I think that's probably one of the most underrated thing is sleep. Oh, absolutely. It's like, what else do you want to recover? And there's like all the supplements on the planet. But it's like, but are you actually sleeping enough? Like step one. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, man. And water too. The water loading when you try and like, you know, losing weight, you know, water is such a vital. And then when you're trying to cut weight too, you're trying to not have water. Like you're 75, 80% water, your body, like people don't realize that when they're watching the sport. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I remember reading a study somewhere once before, like the impacts of just like a little bit of dehydration that if you're dehydrated by even like 5%, it has a 20% impact in performance, like you see a 20% decrease. And I was like, wow, so just 5%. And they're like, well, yeah. And I was like, gee, I like constantly need to have a bottle of water in my hand. Yeah, wow. Like that's huge. That was like super significant. I never expected that. Wow. Do you think there's any time you've come in the fights and you're like, man, maybe I should drink a little bit more water? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Not Not looking back, but definitely looking forward. It's like, this is a priority. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, people just don't, don't realize that. The other thing I thought was really cool, and I saw your Instagram, and you're totally going to have to educate me a bit because I, I really thought this was really interesting. It's gone now. It was in okay. a story of yours. You said how cardio or, or getting women in the shape cardiovascularly was different. Like there was a line you had that women are not tiny men or something. Right. <laughs> so could you tell us about that a little bit yeah so um, I actually started working with some like boxing science guys down at one of the universities in the UK and like they predominantly train like male boxing athletes and their aerobic systems are just complete well not completely different like there are some similarities but like the underlying thing is that you know even from a cardiovascular perspective what women have to do versus what men have to do for that basis isn't actually the same all the time. So trying to create like a generic one or a generic model just for athletes isn't enough. Like it has to be more granular to like females and males because it's not, you know, we don't just get like another version of a male plan. It's actually, it needs to be bespoke to, to females too. Um, so I'm really big on all of that as well. That's, that's super interesting. So is it kind of like if you train the same way as the guy would cardio wise, you're not going to get, you're just not going to get the, 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 per, like the same effect, have the same benefit. Yeah, that's crazy. So have the same benefit when they were doing all the tests and it was just like, actually women have to do other additional adaptations to make sure that we can benefit, you know, as much, but just in a slightly different way. Could you give me an example? Like what, like 
what would have to be changed, you know? So I can't remember now. I don't want to give false information. Um, But one of them was to have, so one of them to have more sort of the high intensity and interval training uh, versus sort of low intensity, but actually going on for a longer period of time and really focusing on keeping those heart heart rate zones um, either in sort of the lower region or the higher region. I can't remember which way around it is now. I'm okay. going to have to check. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super cool, though. Uh, I think that's something in fighting that a lot of people, because even so new to the sports and even like MMA is and the way that you're seeing women go into fighting sports, I don't think there's enough science on really how we should train, you know, to have the the highest level you could have for a woman to fight, just like a guy. I think understanding that is like a breakthrough science. So I thought it was super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And even like with the weight cuts, how it's so different. Like I'm, I speak to like my male, like combat, combat athletes and they can sit in the sauna for like an hour and lose like a couple of kilos and I'll, I'll be there with them, join them. And I swear I'll lose like half a kilo if that, like at most. Um, so it's just really learning like what works best. And also with like female monthly cycles and things like you just, your body doesn't want to give up any water. So like, how do you, how do you extract that? Um, like, what do you do? Cause I find it does make a really big impact. Like one day you'll be on weight and the next day you'll be like three kilos over and you're like, how, like, like, what do I do now? When I can't, like, I'm not even sweating like for a decent amount of time. Like you've been sat in the sauna for what, like six hours. Um, so I think it's hugely different, like honestly, really different. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah. Is there anything, there's some other thing I had, I totally forgot. I was going to ask you, I guess I'll bring it up if I can remember, but yeah, you know, it just goes to show you like, you know, that's just something that we're going to find more of in the future. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll grow you as a champ and then I guess other people as well. So that was a boxing coach or was that, that's what it was. Yeah, it was a boxing coach. It was your boxing coach or just a friend of yours? No, it was no, it was a boxing coach. He's a, also one of the scientists. Uh, I think it's the, one of the sports scientists at Sheffield University, if me- memory serves me right. All right. Um, but yeah, really great insight, really good info um, for like all things related to like boxing as well, um, and a lot of like MMA fighters and kickboxers started training with them to really like reap the benefits of, you know, because like boxing's just got a lot more structure and a lot more support around it. So using their same findings and trying to then transfer that into sort of the kickboxing martial arts world as well, as opposed to just like pure boxing. So with that said, with women and, you know, needing to do different cardio stuff and cutting weight, do you find that like, is it a fact that you guys don't cut as much weight as a result? Like how much weight do you actually cut then as a woman? So... I used to cut quite a lot. I used to cut maybe eight, eight to nine kilos, um, which I thought was quite a lot. Now I try not to cut more than five. You know, it, I just find that I look at it more from like a longer perspective and my health overall. And I just feel like it's, it's not good for my body to do that, especially when you're in such a deficit um, for so long. And I just don't feel, you know, like, yes, I want to win. Yes, I want to do my best, but... I don't ever want to put my health at such such a risk anymore. Uh, and I, you know, if there was more support for females with sort of cutting weight and doing it safely, um, you know, I'd probably look to cut a bit more. But at the moment, it's, yeah, it's a strict five and no more. <laughs> 
What's your, uh, like you've had a few weight classes, right? Or you only had one, like? No, I've had quite a few. So the lowest I fought is about 58 kilos I fought once, maybe like four years ago. Um, but most recently, 60 kilos, 63, 65, anything. Anything really above 60 is works. <laughs> so like what's your most comfortable weight, you would say, fighting that you felt? Uh, 66 kilos, but I find it really hard to get a fight at that weight. Like, really hard. I'm, um, go on. I'm, I'm, you know, you're a bigger girl, so how tall are you, right? So, that also makes it... So, I'm like 5 foot 8, 5 foot 9. Okay. Um, so quite tall for a female, so when they... In fact, you know what's funny? Lots of um, promoters don't think I'm that tall. Uh, so when they get like the tail of tape and you see it at the beginning, I see that like my, my height's always reduced. Like they've cut off a few inches <laughs> until I actually turn up on the day and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and they're like, we better change that. <laughs> wow. Got to do your jobs over there. That's, that's so funny. Like, no, she doesn't know how tall she is. <laughs> yeah. She's from Myanmar. She's probably like four foot 11, you know? And then no, you show, no. show up. She's from the UK. She's a hobbit. <laughs> she lives in one of those. That's what they're thinking. They're like. Right, right, right. Oh, that's so great. And, you know, you're everybody, you know, you're just like fighters. People think they're superheroes, but that's not what, you know, everybody does all day, all the time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you're a banker, right? You work for a bank. Is it a U.S. company or? Yeah, I actually work for HSBC U.S. Like in the States. So um, I actually work US hours too. So this is a good time to chat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I <laughs> I wasn't too good with the times that I live here. Like it's like she knows the times better than I do. <laughs> so apologies on that. Um, no, it's, it's good. You know, um, like the bank have been super supportive of everything that I do. Uh, I've actually agreed like a six month sabbatical with them next year. So I can take time out to just fight full time for six months. Oh, wow. Um, which will be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been good and it's nice to have something different to do alongside fighting as well. Um, and it also just keeps me like cognitively there, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it helps with my English as well sometimes because I don't know when you're in the gym, <laughs> I feel like there's more like rough talk or, <laughs> um, I don't speak so eloquently, so it's good to have like a balance, like a bit of both worlds, you know. <laughs> right, you're like in the war zone. You're in the barracks when you're in the gym, right? It's, <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah, I know. It's just like you just end up being like completely unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's cool because I saw they did a commercial, right? They're not commercial, but they did show. Like I, I was watching on YouTube, so it's cool. They support you enough that they kind of showed that hey, you know, you kind of work there and you're a little bit of a badass. Yeah, I mean, that was brilliant. When they said they wanted to do that, I was all up for it. Um, and they were like, where do you usually fight? And I was like, well, like York Hall, it's like a really prestigious um, like boxing venue, like just generally like a martial arts venue in the UK. So I was like, yeah, this is where we like usually, um, like this is a great place to like promote. And then the next thing I knew, they've like hired out the whole place and we were there all day filming. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> like, great. And I hadn't—I don't think I'd even fought there yet. I was fighting there in like two months' time. Oh wow! And like absolutely buzzing for it. But it was great to sort of practice the walkout um, for the for the ad. <laughs> that's so cool. What a you know that's an awesome people at your job. So I want to give a shout out to them. That was really cool. Yeah, it was. That was brilliant. So uh, you know, 
What do you've heard? Uh, this is going to change the subject drastically, and I'll try not to go too linger on this too long. So, what do you got? What have you heard of cryptocurrency? Because you're in banking and stuff like that. Uh, have you understand it? Are you uh, against that kind of thing? Oh, I'm not against it. You know, if I understood it, I'd be totally up for for like playing with cryptocurrencies and things like that. I think for me, because it's so volatile, like you have to be so, or I would want to be like completely on top of it, like constantly staring <laughs> at all the rates to know when to cash in and that, as opposed to like stocks and shares, you know, you can choose if you're going to have like a short term investment or if it's something that's going to be slightly longer, you know, and you don't have to worry about it. Like, so, so what's the word? Like daily, like regimentally. Um, are you really interested in cryptocurrencies then? I'm all in. I'm all into it. <laughs> if you want like me to explode to educate you, I'm the dude. Oh, brilliant. High level. Let's go high level. So I'm just going to say to people that don't understand cryptocurrency, uh, it's basically a way to protect yourself. It's like gold and silver is kind of mixed with stocks. Um, so I basically say if you're trying to get in cryptocurrency, don't look at any altcoins. Altcoins are any coins that aren't Bitcoin. And now Ethereum okay. is the second one. So I would say for layman, think of them as gold and silver. You know, yeah. Bitcoin's the big one so that's gold ethereum is the silver anything else you got to not have a life <laughs> you got to check everything okay, and gotcha. right. and i do that but if i had to tell you as somebody who's like i got a job i'm fighting i don't want to pay attention to that too much if you just invested even now like i don't know if you're you're aware it's almost at its all-time high it's almost at twenty thousand dollars bitcoin right now it's like yeah. 19 18 and they did a shift again. But why? People are like, well, why is this happening? Why should people care? Why whatever? You know, we are under an incredible amount of economic stress during these times. And then, you know, money in itself, most of the banks around every national country has fiat currency. And it's paper money. So long story short, there's nothing to back it. It's a great Keynesian economics thing. You're supporting anything you want to do, and you can yeah. infinitely do that. But as a result, eventually, your currency and your country's value becomes worthless. So enter into cryptocurrency. Why would I care to buy cryptocurrency? Why can't, can't you make a million Bitcoins? Can't you keep making these things? So the real thing that makes them interesting is it has a digital, kind of like a digital identifier mark that can't be duplicated. So if you ever played a video game and they, they have like a rare sword that'll drop, yeah, you're like, if everybody had that sword in the game, it, nobody would think that sword's cool. Yeah. They'd be no, like, that's, that's stupid. What these do is it has like, it's an identifier that knows it's like rare data language and it knows that this is specifically this coin, Bitcoin or whatever. So what you're doing is you're, you're spending money for rare software, for a rare program that offers protection. So Bitcoin is programmed to be scarce too. Oh, you can come in anytime. I'm, he's basically more of an expert than me because he's a computer scientist. I'm more like the liberal. I'm more like the, hist I went to history. Uh, I have a history degree in like m and, and money and, and stuff like that. So history of money and this guy's a computer scientist. So. But, oh, yeah, wow. Great combo. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's like, a, it's like the winning League. combination that you want. Right? It's like the Justice League for, for economics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
because I'm more like we're both libertarian in a sense, but like you know, you have the idea of history, and then you back it up but with what's with cool that. about it is that it's a currency and a payment network. You know, like yeah, like we're used to stuff like PayPal, and you know, like having a credit card. Those are payment network, but then you have something that's a currency, and then at the same time that's digital. We've never had anything like that in human history ever. Yeah, and that wow. It's programmatically. If you look at the algorithm of it, the way it's programmed, it's artificially scarce. There can only be 21 million bitcoins in existence. So once yeah. it, so it starts from zero, and it just keeps creating more and more till it hits that number, and you can never print any more. And that's generally oh, cool. how it gets its scarce value. So there's a there's a cap limit. I think it's 21 million bitcoins. And the whole cool thing is you don't need. It works as a decimal system. You don't need a whole bitcoin to partake in the or procedure. You don't need to buy a whole bar of gold. So it goes to like even decimals. You know, so it's you easily divisible. Di divisible, exactly. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then um, there's, there's another thing with the protection of like the mining. Tell tell about that. Say that again? The mining. How's the mining work? Because that's a big part of the security of why it's unhackable. So, Oh, well, the value of it also not comes from it being scarce, but the strength of the network. Because for all these transactions, like you think of like a PayPal or a MasterCard for their payment network, they're running all these computers. So how do you get, yeah. to, how do you incentivize people to support a network? You know, so... There's people around the world that are running computers and all that stuff that are giving the power of that to help power the... It, it basically, these computers are validating all the transactions on the network that are coming in and out. And as they get a reward for basically validating everything correctly, not trying to gain the system, all these computers are competing. And once the one that gets it right and all that, the first one that gets it, it gets a reward. And then that, oh, goes, cool. in, that goes into the supply of it that's it, super interesting it just takes a vast amount of electricity and that's why you see some people they can't do it anymore at their house they used to mine bitcoin oh yeah like back in the day you could just leave a laptop on and you could get rich just given the computing wow. power because it was only like less than a thousand or a hundred bucks but as more people plug in it gets more competitive and you need a stronger system now you need like a server farm you know, just to compete. You need like a cold room and fans blowing and like, you know what I mean? Some dude smoking a cigar, watching all this yeah, stuff. I've got the, I've got the picture. <laughs> so it's a completely profitable industry that it's turned into. Just the point is a lot of normal people just don't understand how it operates. And when that happens, you have a vast opportunity to make a lot of money. Yeah. So Ethereum is, I'll give you a tip. Um, is basically worth over ten thousand dollars, but it's undervalued at five six hundred dollars American. Um, so that's the whole point: is when it gets educated. When Bob, your next door neighbor, goes, "Yeah, I got, I got like a couple Bitcoin," you missed out. You know, you're not making any money. But when you're doing it, where the guy walking his dog down the street doesn't know about it yet, so it's like a stock too. If you knew about a company or anything that was like worth to be invested in that nobody else does yeah it's a lot like that the only thing you're doing is it's digital assets yeah no really fascinating really fascinating 
And the one other thing I'll say before, like, you know, I'll end the conversation on it is if you're really into doing it, instead of having like a bank that holds your money, you need to have a crypto wallet. Yeah. So the way that works is like, it's really no different than downloading any specific program for it. There's a bunch of wallets. Bitcoin Ethereum is pretty simple, but you got to understand there's the wallet you have and you have to remember the password phrase and all the stuff. And you securely write all that down. You even write like it in two places in case like it gets on fire and then you lose all your money. Because it is so definite that the big difference between banking and this currency is if you mess up a transaction at the bank, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to call up. Yeah. I got Debbie. I got Nicola. I got whatever. Yeah, I'll be there to help. (laughs) You get your Nicola with crypto. (laughs) What's the beauty of it? is that it's something we, humanity has never had. Like, you don't need an email or a taxpayer ID or a social security number to open up a crypto wallet and start sending money and all that stuff like that. Yeah. Like, we have people in third world countries who are unbanked. They can't, right. they can't run a business the same way we do in the first world. They can't send money as easily to, to a family member. Because they, they don't have the infrastructure of a bank locally to go walk or drive and, and have those uh, utilities. Yeah. So, yeah. for certain parts of the world, it, it's a very powerful thing. But yeah, I would just say, go and find yourself a wallet when you want to invest and know the difference between the wallet. And really, it's so simple. You can put Bitcoin... Ethereum wallet, so simple. But the exchanges are a different place. When you ever hear someone goes, oh, somebody hacked Bitcoin and they got all this money, that's not what happens. What happens is there's an exchange and it's kind of like they get a FDIC license. They are related to like a bank structure. And so okay. basically they go, hey, we're going to be a spot where you can buy your, your crypto. But the point is that somebody could hack into that system, that 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 app, like whatever it is. I'll use the example of crypto.com. That's something you can use on your phone to download. But when you're on the exchange, whether you're trying to do like a money market and gain interest on your Bitcoin or whatever you're doing, there is a very good chance that maybe somebody could hack that exchange and take everybody's money. So you have to be really aware that when you're done buying your Bitcoin and maybe you're done trying to make it gross, whatever, be safe enough to take your stuff and put it back in your digital uh, cryptocurrency wallet. Yeah. And not leave it in exchange. Well, the yeah, same thing like tip. like money in, money in the bank. <laughs> that bank could be robbed. Then there's all your savings. Opposed yeah, if you had your money true. under your mattress, it's just you who knows where that is. <laughs> You're safe. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like grandma used to do, right? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> But yeah, that's the, in a nutshell. You can uh, do a little more research if you want, but that's pretty much the easiest way I could say if you wanted to get into it, not do too much research. You got a safe place where you put your, inf- your, your money and then you have the wallet where you put your notebook, the passphrases, you double write them down, and basically you're good. And you still got to work. You still got to make your money. And it's just like anything else. You're not putting your whole bank account into it. It's just something to help make yeah. your investment grow, right? Or just help your 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 wealth kind of expand. And right now it's profitable and it makes sense. And honestly, in a year or two, it won't make sense for anybody or a lot of people. So right now you're cool. You can almost be like, dude, this guy's awesome. He made me money now. It's because now it's cool. But if I told you to do this in eight months from now, you'd be like, you 
fuck you. Well, you got a really awesome accent. He'd be like, you, he fucked me over, you know. <laughs> but just like that. Just, just. <laughs> thank you. I love, I love accents anyway and voices. I used to do comedy actually. British comedy. I love the young ones. You know, uh, um, Monty Python. Monty Pyth- of course, Monty Python. Little Britain. I love all those. So. Oh, everyone does. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're old classics. <laughs> Super awesome. I mean, so I, I, I love British culture e- even anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I went on a tangent there. So that's cryptocurrency. If you've got any questions, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> And then I'll just go on to the next thing. So, yeah, you're, you're cool there. Anything else you, you find fascinating about it? What's your first – I'd say a lot of information. So, like, what's your first thought on that? You know, it just feels like a different world. I feel like I'm more comfortable with, like, stocks and shares as opposed to, like, cryptocurrencies where I just feel like, oh, am I going to have to babysit it 24-7? Um, but I think you've just articulated really well that there's, like, differences, like ones that you do need to, like, babysit. Not probably not the right term, but I feel like that gives the sentiment. Um, and the ones that you know you don't have to be so like diligently like focused, like staring at all the time. Yeah, right, exactly. But yeah, if you wanted to, just keep it with with those two, and you don't have to waste your life looking at Chainlink and all these other different yeah. things, you know. And then you're like, you're basically no different than like some guy who looks at porn, but you just look at cryptocurrencies, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not healthy anymore, you Same know, thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same thing, you know, you know, <laughs> so let's go back into fighting a little bit. Um, so out of like most of your fights, like who would you say, what was the most difficult opponent that you had? Was it really a Lethway fight or was it anything else? Um, no, you know what? It was probably... The four girl tournament that I had at York Hall because I broke my nose. I had my nose because it was two fights in the same night. And in the first fight, wow. I got punched in the face and it was just blood everywhere. Oh my like, God. Like, oh, yeah. When I listened to the com- commentate- commentary back, I was like, oh, they were so nice. They were like, just a bit of moisture. Oh my Lord, it was like everywhere. I was like, you know, <laughs> just have a to like, it's like a spritz spray. That ain't. That's so, oh. that's so like <laughs> Britishly nice way they put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love it. Watching it back, thinking like, "Oh, you know, that, that was such a nice way to put it," but it was like a million times worse. Oh man! Um, someone like breaks, break. Someone like breaks an arm. It was only a sprain, just a sprain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was probably the hardest because then for the second, for the second match that night, I was like, I just knew I had to try and keep my face from being hit, which is like something that you know is going to happen. Um, because I also feel that sometimes fights are stopped for women um, a bit sooner, especially when there's like lots of blood. I don't know. Refs tend to like panic and they'll, they'll cut it off. Whereas you'll see like men continue and like the, the gashes are huge. Um, so I'm always like super conscious of the fact that I don't want it to look bad. But then like, where do you wipe blood when you're only wearing like a sports bra and shorts? Like <laughs> there isn't many places to go. But um, that was probably the most challenging. But I did absolutely love it. Like it was... It was a time where I felt like I could really test myself. You know, like one minute it felt like it was going her way. The next minute it was me. Um, I feel like you learn a lot about yourself during a fight. And I was just so proud to look back and be like, oh, you dug so deep. You know, I was like, I'm proud for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, looking back, like, sitting, you know, when you get to re- watch the replay and I was like, good job. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's definitely awesome. 
And breaking your nose, do you find like some fighters can't deal with, you know, certain things that happen? Like you feel how broken was your nose? Like, did you feel you couldn't breathe out of it? And does that affect you in a fight more than other things? Uh, no, I couldn't breathe out of it at all. Like literally, no. Like it was, yeah, the blood was just coming too much. But I think I'm a bit of a mouth breather anyway. So I didn't really, you know, it's just a bit of inconvenience to like constantly have your mouth full of blood. But um <laughs> Yeah, it was all right. I think when you're in the fight mode, it's just, you know, I well, for me personally, it's just so positive. Like, there's one goal, it's to win. Like, you know, you just have to work around every little challenge and hiccup that comes. But, like, the goal's to win. So, like, yeah, okay, I have broken nose. Yeah, it'll bleed. Like, they'll fix it later, you know? It's not a big deal. Like, let's just get to the end of this fight. Um, and that And that was it. That was the goal. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's so many things with like adrenaline and stuff like that, you know, and you're right. You just learn so much more about yourself through a fight, you know, and then you learn about oh, life. Like, how good do you feel you can take on? Let's not even talk about fighting, but like what training has given you, like, seriously, like, do you feel like you just take on and deal with life's bullshit easier? Am I wrong about that? Oh, absolutely. I feel like it gives you like a great tolerance for everything else. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, you see other issues and I'm like, oh, just, just don't even worry about it. Like, there's bigger problems. Um, I feel like it, gets, it puts you in a really good place, like mentally and everything. I just feel like it, it really helps. Yeah, I think for me, for me, too, I think a lot of people, I think it's just a very meditative and healthy thing, you know. For me, like, I basically had, like, a point where I have a stomach disease and I couldn't go pro. I couldn't weight cut oh, anymore. Wow. Yeah, I have a, it's a cyclical vomiting syndrome where I get pain and nausea and one can bring up the other. And I basically almost, oh basically almost die every other year because it's, like, so much weight I'll lose from the loss of, like, fluids, water, food, and I can't get any medication down. And I was on heavy anti what was it uh, oxycodone and all these other stuff and i couldn't sleep and i'd get these shakes and i was like mom what's going on what what you know and she's a nurse so she's like you're kind of getting you're getting yeah she's like i know you got withdrawals and i was like shit so i used oh. everything i knew from traditional martial arts and kickboxing i got i tried to shadow box for sweat i would meditate try and get my mind clear off of it i would try and do everything i possibly could and even do katas and stuff just so i wouldn't I would yeah. push that feeling away. So I can tell for me, martial arts has saved my life, you know, and I'm sure in some way martial arts probably saved your own life too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like a million percent. I think it's just like the blessing in disguise um, for like an incredibly long time. And also I was, I was actually born with a condition called narcolepsy. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Is that you fall um, asleep, right? Narcolepsy. Oh, like insanely. Yeah. Everyone thinks that you're like, <laughs> the lazy child um, <laughs> when in fact you know it's actually like a condition that you're born with um, wow. and like I used to have it so bad like I'd be out pretty much like six six hours a day and then I'd fall asleep like perfectly at night too so I used to miss so much it was only when I started getting into martial arts that like my narcoleptic episodes became like less and less um, and I wow. think it was like when I was 21 they just completely went that's amazing uh, which is like, yeah, it is super incredible because usually like when people get narcolepsy, they just have it for life and it ends up being really quite debilitating sometimes. Um, so it was really good that, um, yeah, I was saved. <laughs> That's crazy. So you would think people that have that couldn't get a lot done and here you are a fighter and you have a, a, a banking job and all this. That's amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. I have like two more questions. I want to respect your time. So Burmese Python, the name real quick, where'd you, did you come up with it? Was it your mom? Was it a training partner? No, so it was my um, first coach, actually. So it was to marry up the fact of my heritage from being my mother from me and my grandparents, but also the fact that my fight style was like very aggressive and fearless and sort of marry them together. And we had the Burmese Python and I just absolutely loved it. I was like, yes, this is the one. <laughs> Dope ass name. I love it. And uh, I just think it goes with your, your, your personality and it goes your fighting style. Even though you're taller, you know, you think like a long snake, right? So I yeah. think it's perfect, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And so my last question is, what's next for you? Like, do you see yourself going to glory? Do you see yourself going to MMA? Do you see Lethway as just something you're, you're going to get the title? What is the future for the Burmese Python? I don't know what, I don't know at the moment. I mean, I definitely love to do, to get a world title in, in Lethway. I definitely want to get a world title in kickboxing. Those are like my two immediate goals. Um, what platforms they are, and obviously to fight on one championship would be absolutely <sighs> incredible. Um, that that's what I've got my eye on and it's just you know putting the foundations in place now to make sure that it happens and do you find one championship you're going to do like the uh striking like just straight with the Muay Thai stuff or you can do the MMA um either they're Muay Thai or they do they actually do kickboxing too so oh they I, do okay also, they do so I'll, I'll dabble in that as well that's cool that's awesome and would you, would you ever, person that could ever, because it's hard being the mixed martial arts thing, could you ever learn, you could see yourself learning jujitsu, or you're just like, you know, man, I just love the bang, and I'm just going to stick with that? I, I love being standing at the moment. Like, maybe. I mean, never say never, but at the moment, like, just purely punching, kicking, headbutts. Nine limbs is enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I guess, is there anything you want to just tell the world or like someone who's trying, maybe someone's a young female fighter, what could you tell them as an exit? Just never give up because, you know, you think what your first failure is, like my very first fight I lost and I remember being so distraught because I put so much hard work in. Um, and I was genuinely thinking like, oh, this isn't for me then. And like looking back now, I just think like, man, if I'd given up, I'd missed out on all of this. So like, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hard it seems, like just keep going because you'll look back one day and you'll be able to connect the dots. And unfortunately we can never connect the dots going forward, but backwards we always can. So keep the faith. That's beautiful. And I think that's an awesome note to end on. Never give up, never surrender people. It's awesome. It was such a pleasure to talk to you, Nicola Bark, uh, the Burmese Python. It was a pleasure talking to you. If you guys want to go and check uh, your IG, it is the Burmese. Is it Burmese Python exactly? Is it our underscores? Yeah, it's the, the dot Burmese Python. Dot. There you go. And there so definitely check her out. And she's going to be also Amazon Prime. Do you have another Lethway fight? You can see some of your fights there. And UFC fight pass. I only have one so far, but hopefully another one to come soon. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So it's been a pleasure and I'll see you later and just good luck on your next fight. Nicola. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Been a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye -bye. Peace. Bye-bye.